page to watch live right now. So go to epiclifeonline.com on your phone, and down there it'll say invite friends to watch live. So uh, we have that. So we're really excited. Um, why don't you welcome Brian up here, yeah? Brian's going to give the word. Much love. How are you? Yeah, that's cool. That is good. How are you guys doing? Good. Someone alive out there? Uh, this is hilarious right here. Is he still around? Will? Is he dead now? No. <laughs> Yeah. Now it's good to be with you guys. My wife says hello. She couldn't be here. We flew in the whole fam yesterday. And uh, our son is nine months old, and he decided to just not sleep. So that creates issues for people (laughs) when we're in the same room. And so she couldn't be here tonight. She wanted to be, but she was just a little too tuckered. Yes, very poor thing. But uh, we have a new son, like I said, his name's Liam Judah, the protector of praise. That's what that means. Judah means praise, Liam means protector. So he's going to be strong, like a lion. He's like 40 feet long right now, but uh, he's like so long. It's like unnatural long. But uh, I want to share a few stories, and we're going to dive into some stuff. You like testimonies, stories, God, what God's doing, stuff like that? Sweet. Um, we just finished our second year at UC San Diego where we do ministry. We've been there about almost three years. And I've uh, been doing campus ministry for like 15, hello, like 15 years now. And uh, we saw some incredible breakthroughs on campus. Uh, one of the places we were reaching out to is the LGBT Center, the Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender Center. Um, God loves homosexuals. He really does. And if you don't, you don't love God. It's pretty much that simple. Kind of got to get into the partnership of who God loves. You know, just join in the fun. And he loves homosexuals. And so he said, uh, I want to start moving at the LGBT center. We said, that sounds good to us. So we started hanging out there, bringing food into their center, bringing board games, just building relationships. No agenda. Kindness has no ulterior motive. It's not kindness if there's an ulterior motive behind it. So we just went into love. That's what God likes to do, just love, because love breaks through any wall. It doesn't matter how thick, how long it's been there. If it's the wall of China or a paper mache wall, the love of God can get through it. And uh, so the day my son was born, I get an email from the Queers of Color Society, which is the oldest group in the center and the largest group. And they said, hey, we'd like your uh, ministry origins to do a Bible study for the LGBT center. This is not normal, okay, (laughs) for an LGBT center to approach a Christian ministry and say, we would like you guys to do a Bible study. They literally promote this for us. They market it for us. It's on their website. They send out a newsletter. They blast emails about it every week. It's like craziness. And so some of our students went before their general body and said, hey, this is what we want to do. We want to create a safe place to encounter Jesus where you're not going to be judged because Jesus really isn't into that. He's not into throwing stones, religious people are, but he likes to draw in the sand about how silly they are while they're thinking about that. That's what I think Jesus did when he drew in the sand. It's like, you're dumb. (laughs) Right there. And so pretty quickly, there was one guy who encountered Jesus, had a really supernatural encounter, and he's the gatekeeper for the LGBT, so everyone knows this guy. And uh, so he's now, all these people are coming to him, and they're like, hey, this guy's never read the Bible ever in his life. Never. And so when he accepted Jesus the next day, he said, hey, uh, how do I get close to Jesus? And I said, I would start with the book of John. He was the closest with Jesus. He's the only disciple who didn't desert Jesus at the cross. He's also the only person probably in the history of humankind that saw more revelation because he wrote the book of Revelation, and that's a lot of revelation. (laughs) Okay? So much so that there's like 7,000 different interpretations because no one really knows exactly what Revelation means. (laughs) So he starts reading this and he gets to the story of the woman caught in the the act of adultery. And he said, Brian, I had to reread it 20 times because I never knew that's who God was. 
that in the midst of total failure, all he did was love. So he stands before the Queers of Color Society a month and a half ago, right before school ends. And he's basically talking about his faith. He's like, look, you guys have it wrong. Because a lot of them are, they grew up in the church. They just grew up in homes that didn't represent Jesus very well. They represented religion really well, but they didn't really represent Jesus very well. And uh, he stands before these guys and just says, look, this is who God is. So he reads the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. says, this is who God is. I never realized that God is love. So he's like, you got to get to know him. <laughs> so he's basically preaching to these guys. And he's never read the Bible up to that point ever in his life. Now here's the thing. Um, religious people can't tolerate grace. They have a hard time with grace. Because religious people think you have to earn it. You have to have like infrastructure in your life. You've got to have all these things around you to help sustain religiosity. Where Jesus just pours out his grace on people that don't deserve it all. At all. There's nothing they have done. That's what grace is. Grace shows up and says, hey, how you doing? I'm going to pour out on you. (laughs) Did you know what I just did? Yep, sure did. Here it is. It's called grace. (laughs) It's like the Jesus movement in the 60s and 70s. There was this great move among hippies. And the church had to decide, were were they going to embrace this or not? And some did and some didn't. I believe the next wave or one of the waves of God is going to be among homosexuals. And the church is going to have to decide, what are you going to do about that? (laughs) Embrace grace or just say, no, I'm going to stay religious and keep you at arm's length. You all right? If you're religious tonight, it's going to be a long night, okay? Just, Just want you to know that. It's going to be a rough few minutes for you. It's kind of like when uh, Christians fight for the Ten Commandments to be in government buildings. This makes no sense to me. Because do you realize the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, was never designed for us unless you're a Jew or a Messianic Jew? It had nothing to do with Gentiles. Zero. Ten Commandments has nothing to do with you. Well, what are you saying, Brian? I have the Ten Commandments above my dining room table. (laughs) Second Corinthians 3, Paul calls, he says, the law etched on stone tablets, the Ten Commandments, was the ministry of condemnation. Yay! (laughs) Let's hang it on the wall, everyone. Here's the ministry of condemnation. I hope you enjoy that. And we're fighting for it to be in government buildings. And then we wonder why we're losing credibility with the world. (laughs) Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. Because basically what we're communicating is we don't trust the nature of Christ in us, so we need a safety net. We don't trust that the Holy Spirit can lead us into all truth, so we need to cherry pick parts of the law. Now, I don't do the dietary restrictions. I don't do the ceremonial laws. Just the Ten Commandments. Okay. Do you text message on the weekend? Do you mow the lawn? Do you drive? Oh, well, I don't totally follow strictly the Sabbath. Oh, so it's the Nine Commandments? (laughs) Just the Nine? We're just going to choose whichever ones we want. James says if you're going to follow the law, you have to follow it 100%. We have to trust the character of Christ in us and the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. What happens a lot of times with church leaders is they don't really trust the Holy Spirit in the people they're leading to be led into all truth. This is especially true with accountability. I hate the word accountability. You know what an accountant does? (laughs) They look for errors and they keep a ledger of the errors. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of wrongs. So we have these accountability structures where someone fails, and so we said, they need to be accountable. I was just meeting, actually, this past weekend in a place in Salt Lake City at this church, and we went out to dinner, and this guy's like, yeah, I messed up a few months ago, and so I'm in this accountability structure, and he's explaining it. It was insane. 
He's like, you know, 12 hours a day, I'm connecting with these people. I'm like, 12 hours a day? He's like, you know, they're just helping me. And I said, you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? He's a pretty good helper. It's actually his nickname, Helper. (laughs) He likes to help. But the problem with that is we put people in accountability structures that prevent them from failing, and we think that's success. But you can't walk free if you don't have the option to fail. God put two trees in the garden. He put a bad choice in the garden. God did. Why? Because he wants us to be free. He wants us to be able to stand in between two trees and say, you know, I could choose the tree of life or I could choose the tree of knowledge. Because if there's just one tree, then God's in control and he's not. We sing songs and have bumper stickers, God's in control. (laughs) No, he's not. If he was in control, then why do we have the fruit of self-control? La, 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 la. He's not in control. He's not controlling your life. He's given you the option to be free, to make a choice. Some people will use it when they say, well, God chose us from the beginning of time and he loved us, so he's in control. It's not true. You want to get quantum physics for a moment? You know what quantum physics is? The subatomic world where it does not operate within the laws that we understand. It's very offensive to the human mind, quantum physics, because it just doesn't work within our parameter of thinking. (laughs) There's no time, there's no space. So think about this. Your life is a train, okay? Every train car represents a year of your life. Since God is the one who was and is and is to come at the same time, He was and is and is to come at exactly the same time. So he can go to the past, he can be in the present, and go to the future at the same time. That's actually how the quantum world works as well, which is pretty trippy. So God's bouncing around, let's say, my train. At 17 years old, I accepted Jesus. So he gets the train car 17, he's like, look, Brian accepts my son, I like that. So I choose him first. I didn't exist yet, he just knew I was going to choose So he chose me first. It was my choice. He wasn't in control of my choice. He just knew I was going to choose it. So then he says, I bless it and I choose Brian first. You all right? You you going to make it? (laughs) Well, let me share a few miracles and then we'll dive into some more stuff. Um, This past weekend I was in Salt Lake City where we did ministry. We were there for eight years, my wife and I, and I uh, spoke at a really small church in Payson, Utah. Payson, Utah. There's like one beaver that lives there and like... Um, <laughs> so I'm in this church, about 60 people, and uh, I get this word of knowledge for thyroid. And so I was like, anyone have an issue with their thyroid? So three women stand up, which is actually a lot for 60 people, for three women to stand up. So we pray, and this woman comes up to the end, and she's kind of tripping out. She says, hey, uh, when you said the word thyroid, mine has been in pain and swollen every day. She says, right when you said the word thyroid, the swelling completely went down and pain left. I was like, that's cool. And this triathlete came up, um, living in Pace in Utah, triathlete, and she says, I love to run, and I said, I... That's satanic. I don't like to run. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's the kingdom, but so be it. So she's like, I like to run, but I, whenever I run for two to three days, I'm in pain. My back's in pain. My hips are in pain. I said, yeah, let's pray for that because Jesus put the desire for running in you. You know, the desires of our heart. Sometimes like, is this God or not? It's like, you know, God kind of puts those things in us. The word desire, in fact, means of the sire, of the father. So we start to pray and her whole body starts quaking like this. And so it's pretty obvious this this isn't normal for the woman for that to happen. (laughs) She's not freaked out. She's just kind of like, this is really interesting. So we get done praying and say, what's going on? She says, "Uh, my back inside was vibrating. 
And I said, well, go running today and check it out. And so uh, just got word back, totally healed. She's running, no more back pain, no more hip pain. Hello, Jesus. And then Sunday night was total pandemonium. There's about 700 people. I walk into this church, and it's like the faith in this room was crazy. It was a miracle night. People brought the sick, all their friends that were sick. And so we start going into some stuff, and this woman comes, starts walking. She's kind of like where you're sitting. She starts walking up to me with this cane. And so I said, what's going on? She goes, I haven't been able to walk for 25 years without pain. And I said, well, what about that cane? So she throws the cane <laughs> and just starts walking, just like this, with a swagger. Place starts going crazy. So then this guy in the middle section, he starts waving his hand. I was like, what's going on over here? And he goes, I have MS. So he stands up with a cane. He's hunched over and his right leg is about bent like that. And he goes, I have MS. And I said, well, actually, Jesus has you. So let's not worry about the MS, okay? So we start to pray. And all of a sudden, his eyes are closed. His back and his legs start straightening. But he doesn't realize it yet. You know, he's just focused on Jesus. <laughs> this is going on. And I'm watching it, so I'm like, this is cool. So we get done praying. I said, How, why don't you start walking? And he goes, well, and he, goes, and he looks down at his leg. He goes, well, isn't that interesting? <laughs> I said, well, it is, very. So he starts walking out from the middle aisle down, throws down his cane. I said, do you need help? He's like, no, I don't need help at all. I said, all right. So that night, or actually the next morning, uh, one of the pastors came and said he was driving around the parking lot in his wife's car that he hadn't been able to drive in 30 years because of his leg. It's totally jacked up. This guy hadn't walked like that in 30 years. And uh, Jesus just showed up and said, how you doing? I like you. I hate your MS, but I like you. You know, because some people, I'll do like these healing trainings at places. Like, it's just called the theology of healing. Now I'll get people to come up and they just say really dumb things. And this one lady says, uh, well, my sickness, I'm just sharing in the suffering of Jesus. That's interesting. Because usually when you share something, you have to have it in order to share it. And Jesus was never sick. Never. So how can you give away what you don't have? Like if I'm going to share chocolate, I've got to have the chocolate. Like, it's pretty logical, okay? <laughs> so if I'm not sick, I can't share with you the sickness. And the Father is not someone who allows sickness either. And I kind of want to dive in, not so much that vein, but I want to focus on the Father tonight, Father God. We sang that song. We didn't talk at all. That was a perfect song for what we're going to talk about. First John says, God is love, right? God is love. Some of the deepest questions I think every human being has is, who is God? What is he like? And what's he think about me? And the answers to those questions kind of get filtered through some experiences in our life. Some of us in this room probably have dads that were pretty jacked up or we're not present. I'm working with a generation right now that's the most fatherless generation in the history of humankind. I have spiritual daughters and sons that have had no father ever in their life. I'm their dad. They call me dad. I call him son. I call him daughter. I have some that have actually had no mother either. I have quite a few that had a dad, but he was emotionally distant. He demanded perfection. He demanded performance. If you got an A on your, credit, on your uh, report card, all is well. You get a B, tables are getting flipped over. And what can happen is we begin to filter that and say, well, that's how God the Father is. Because places of lack can start to define who God is. But the Father is only defined in abundance. Jesus said, I've come to bring life in abundance. And God is love. We can sing it, but do we really believe it? 
I mean, what is he like? The best description of the Father is 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. We use it at weddings, which is appropriate, but it's actually a description of the Father. Because if he's love, then that's who he is. So it says love or the Father is patient. God's so patient. We tend to think sometimes patience is just restraining anger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Someone's annoying you on the plane next to you like, great. I got brother no deodorant sitting next to me <laughs> for four hours. You're just trying to restrain the bitterness inside. That's like withholding anger is a good thing, but that's not patience. There's not an ounce of anger in the Father. Only patience. And he's patience with our growth, too. He's not like going, hey, uh, time's a ticking. How about growing down there? Okay? <laughs> he's a patient papa. When we mess up, he's like, that's okay. I know the end of the story. I wrote it. It's about a marriage to him. He's not breaking his covenant. He's not going anywhere. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Ever. You may have an earthly father that left you. You have a heavenly one that never will. It's not in his vocabulary. He's a patient papa. And the reason he's so patient with us is he looks at our heart. He sees past everything. Just looks straight at the heart. I was speaking at a place and I don't know what it is. Weird people come up to me at the end of things and say things that are just not based in truth at all. And it was pretty recently right after Japan, the earthquake and tsunami, and this guy comes up and says, you see that earthquake and tsunami? And first I'm like, well, I'm alive and breathing, so I think most of humanity has heard about this. But then he says, uh, yep, it's just God's judgment because they're Buddhist. Hmm, really? I thought the cross was enough. Or do we need another one? Does Jesus need to go back on the cross? 1 John 2, 2 says all the sins of the world were dealt with through the cross, which doesn't just mean people, it means nations. We can't blame God for stuff that he's just not doing. There's only one thief. There's only one that's come to steal, kill, and destroy, and it's not the Father. There's only two fathers. There's the Father of lights, and there's the Father of lies. Every thought that comes across our mind is making an alliance with one of those fathers. That's why we have to have a renewed mind. An unrenewed mind, think of it this way, like an unrenewed thought is like attracting flies. Satan is the lord of the flies, Beelzebub. Flies are attracted to death and decay, right? You leave some ground beef out there in the, in the backyard, you're going to have some flies out there. Then you're going to have some maggots just, you know, doing the Zumba in there, <laughs> whatever they're doing, creating more flies. <laughs> so every unrenewed thought is like giving off a fragrance that attracts flies. It attracts death and decay. This is why it's so critical for us to understand who God is, the truth of who he is. Even some of what we're taught in church isn't based on truth. I hear this a lot. God loves you. And he wants you to be pure. Okay. So you just communicated to me that love is conditional. He'll love me if I'm pure. I got good news. You already are. Ephesians 1.4. The Father sees you as holy and without fault because of Jesus. Jesus becomes the lens and the Father looks through Jesus and says, you're perfect. Religious people 
Can't tolerate that one. <laughs> Holiness has nothing to do with what you do or don't do. It's what Jesus did. It was his sacrifice that established holiness for your life. And then because it's established, we just act like the son and daughter that we are. You know, if we mess up, it basically comes down to I'm acting like someone I'm not. Like we don't have to keep going to God asking him to forgive us. Do you know this? Paul wrote 75% of the New Testament. You know, there's not one verse in all of his writings that says that a believer is to confess their sins to God. Not one. People use 1 John 1.9. He's faithful and just to forgive us, right? That was actually written to people who were not believers. They're called Gnostics. There was a heresy called Gnosticism, which believes there's no sin. Because then in chapter 3 of 1 John, it seems to completely contradict chapter 1. <laughs> like, if I have to keep asking God to forgive me as a believer, that's like saying to my wife, Will you marry me? Will you marry me? Will you marry me? And Cecil will go, We're already married. It just comes down to repentance. Change the way you think. Man, I just messed up. I'm not thinking like a son. I need to think like a son. It's not groveling at the Father. Oh, please, will you forgive me? He's like, yeah, I already did that, actually. Read Hebrews 9 and 10. It's really clear in Hebrews 9 and 10. He said he, for, he forgave us all of our sins for all time, which means past, present, and future. You realize every future sin you're going to have is already forgiven? Well, I don't know about that. Were you alive 2,000 years ago? I'd call that future. <laughs> he died 2,000 years ago for our sins to be forgiven today. That's called future. <sighs> you Okay. What, guy, what time do you guys usually wind down? 8.30-ish? Okay. I want to be respectful, so 9.30. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and it says 1 Corinthians 13, love is kind, or the Father is kind. I already mentioned that kindness, to be true kindness, there can be no ulterior motive. There's a funny thing churches do sometimes called Acts of Kindness Day. Have you seen this? The church goes out and they smile and they paint over graffiti in the city. They help an impoverished school. It's all very good stuff, very good. But a lot of times they're actually doing this simply so people will come to the church. So there's an ulterior motive. And then they go home and their neighbors don't even know they're Christian. But they're over in the poor area, just blessing the walls with new paint. Acts of kindness. There's no ulterior motive with kindness. That's why it says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It is not the repentance of people that leads us to kindness. It's a very big difference. The doom and gloom people are like, see, God brought an earthquake so they would repent. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. So an earthquake is kind. That's so kind, Father. Thank you for destroying half the city. We love you so much. We just want to enter into your courts of praise. <laughs> the kindness of God. It's his kindness that kind of, it's invasive. When his kindness comes, it just exposes us, not to expose the gnarliness of our life, but the beauty of our life. Truth is encapsulated in beauty. This is why Satan seeks to bring deformity and destruction to anything beautiful, 
especially the human body, because it's the greatest creative genius of God. Every time Satan looks at you, he's reminded of God. We're made in his image. Every time he sees your eyes and your ears, he's reminded we can see and hear God. We were in Tijuana, Mexico a few weeks ago, did a missions trip there. Saw some crazy miracles down there. Uh, Saw a blind guy healed, totally blind, boom, eyes opened up. A guy that was totally deaf, boom, ears opened up. And I love stuff like that because it completely destroys the works of the devil. Satan seeks to bring destruction to the human body. To bring sickness and disease. That's why Acts 10.38 says, The Father anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, and he went around healing all who were sick and oppressed by the devil. Keyword all. That's what Jesus likes to do. They say, oh, you want to bring deformity? Well, let me bring it back to what it was supposed to be. They're blind? Well, I'd like them to see. Truth is encapsulated in beauty. And the Father's so kind. Love doesn't envy. Right? So the Father doesn't envy. A lot of times my world is like ministers and stuff. And so I go to these silly meetings with ministers that are blah, blah, blah. I like being around people that don't know Jesus much more than meetings like that. But some people thrive in those environments. I like loathe it. But so we're in this meeting. And this guy says, uh, well, to me, it's God first and then my family. And everyone's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Do you really think God's up there in heaven envious? Hey, you're loving your wife a lot. What about me up here? Hello. God's pretty secure. Okay. And this mean this guy said, yeah, I was just praying for two hours in my office, interceding for our city. I was like, praise God, that's so wonderful. He's like, the kids were getting crazy out there, and it's... So I was like, so did your wife need you out there? Like to help with the kids? Well, I don't know, I was just interceding. Okay, I'd call that sin. Like if your family needs you on the other side of the door, open the door and be with your family. Like loving your family is an expression of loving God. You don't prostitute your family for some kind of twisted view of who God is. And loving others is a direct reflection of loving God as well. And if we're going to love others, we have to love ourselves. You can only love others to the degree you love yourself. God thinks you're worth loving, so might as well join the fun. I was in Reno a few weeks ago doing his training. This guy at the end, we were talking about the homosexual community. He has a heart for that community. And as he was talking, I sensed the Holy Spirit just said, uh, ask him if he loves himself. I said, hey, man, uh, do you love yourself? So his head went down. I said, man, it's going to be hard to love others if you don't love yourself. And I said to him, God thinks you're worth loving, so you might as well join in on it. He thought you were worth dying for. That's a pretty good deal. So love yourself. That's an expression of loving God as well. Loving yourself. God's not envious. He's jealous for us. And simply us. It's like a father who his daughter's dating someone who doesn't love her the way he does. So he gets jealous for her has nothing to do with the guy, has everything to do with his daughter. He's jealous for his daughter, for her heart. A couple more things and we'll start going to some ministry. Is that all right? Yeah. 
Is that cool? <sighs> Can I tell you a story? This one's going to be a little outside the box, okay? Maybe way outside the box. In Scripture, there's some accounts of people being teleported. Um, actually, China in 2010, they teleported quantum particles 10 miles with a machine. Isn't that crazy? 10 miles. It was in the wide open. It wasn't in any kind of a laboratory setting. It's like, hello, Star Trek. But this happened in Scripture. You know, Philip is like, whoop, see you later. And uh, <laughs> so I have some friends who know this Filipino woman. She's not in ministry per se, like in a vocational way. Uh, she just loves Jesus. And what started to happen to this woman is she would be teleported all over the world. And this happens. I have a personal friend, actually, this happened to him, uh, which is crazy, but I won't tell that one. But, so this woman is translated, teleported to Ghana, Africa, and she literally appears in the middle of a medical missions team. None of them are Christian. They're there to help people with medical issues, blah, blah, blah. So they're kind of like, hello, <laughs> how did you get here? And so she would keep teleporting to different parts of Africa that God wanted her to go, but she would keep coming back to this team. So they very quickly started coming to Jesus. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but if I didn't know Jesus, I'd be like, yeah, I'd like in on this. I don't know what's happening here, but this is not normal. So the last time she comes back, God says, I'm going to teleport all of you at the same time into where the invisible children are, if you're familiar with that. And he said, when I teleport you in, I want you to grab a child, and I will teleport you out to a safe house. How cool is that? The whole team teleports, invisible children, they each grab a child, boom, instantly to a safe house. I'm like, now that's pretty sweet that God would do something like that. Some of you are looking at me like I'm completely out of my mind. That's all right. Everything in the kingdom is accessed by faith. God's a believer too. It says love believes all things. God's a believer too. So this same woman, she's driving down the road in uh, somewhere in Northern California, and this policeman pulls her over and says, hey, uh, he's screaming as he gets out of the car, turn the light off on top of your car. And as he walks up, he's like, why is there a man on top of your hood, or on top of the car? So she gets out and she goes, oh, that's just my angel. (laughs) Okay, it's just my angel. So he's like, I don't care who this is, like, this guy needs to get off the car. <laughs> and she says, oh, well, he's not going to do that. He's not going to get off the car. And he goes, well, look, I'll escort you to the next exit. It's just right up the road. And you just need to get off the road because this is like a hazard. Like the light is so bright. The light was the angel. He was giving off the light. So the policeman gets in the car again. The angel gets even brighter. So he's like, all right, pulls the lady over again. And he says, look. And the lady gets out and she goes, look, this angel isn't for me. He's for you and he's a sign. This guy starts weeping and he goes, two days ago I was in an atheist meeting looking for answers. I couldn't find them. So I prayed that night, God, if you're real, give me a sign from heaven that you're real. Well, there you go. That's a pretty dramatic sign, isn't it? Ah, illuminating man on the hood. We just tend to kind of limit what we think God can really do and what's possible in his kingdom. Jesus said all things are possible to those who believe, key word believe, and love believes all things. The Father keeps no record of our wrongs. He really doesn't, he doesn't have a secret list. And he pulls it out. Oh, do you remember this four years ago when you messed up? Because we all do in heaven. Been reminiscing about that one. It's actually impossible for that to happen. 
Because our sins, when they're forgiven, they go to the sea of forgetfulness. It's a place called amnesia. The father gets amnesia. It's impossible for him to remember sin that's been forgiven. There's no record of wrongs. Colossians 2.14, it talks about the ink being removed from every charge against us. Completely removed. I was preaching at a place and this guy comes up and he goes, man, can you pray for me? I am just struggling with my old nature. Hmm. Are you necromancing? Which means to talk to the dead, which is forbidden in Scripture. Because the only way that's possible is you're talking to the dead because Romans 6 says the old nature's died. So I'm not really sure how you're interacting with a dead person. We can have this belief we're in this battle with old nature and new nature and Jesus is like, you just got a new one. That's it. Just new. So the old guy, the old lady, dead. Doesn't exist. I sense this for a few of you. Um, Sometimes I hear people say, I'm just in a wilderness. God has me in a wilderness. Okay. The Israelites were in a wilderness because of fear. And Jesus went into the wilderness so we wouldn't have to. So if we're in a wilderness, it's our choice. It has nothing to do with God. It's like when people say, I'm just not hearing him. He's just testing me. That's interesting because Jesus talked every day. And he said, I only say what the Father's saying. Jesus never came into a town and said, I don't have anything. Sorry. I'm not getting nothing. So good luck. I don't know what's going on here. Work it out, people. (laughs) He always had something to say, which means the Father's always speaking. We can always hear him. I was praying with a girl, and... uh, we were doing some Sozo stuff with it, just some inner healing stuff if you're not familiar with that. But, and uh, I asked her, I said, why don't you just ask her, the Father what he thinks about you? Well, I can't hear him. Really? So who's telling you that? Who's telling you you can't hear the Father? Because Scripture says his sheep will hear his voice. So I said, why don't you break agreement with the lie and declare the truth that you're a daughter and you can hear him. Okay, she does that instantly. Oh, he said this. Oh, and this. So I'm trying to interject. Oh, he's still talking. Okay, we'll just let him talk. So I said, what does he look like? Oh, I can't see him. Really? So who's telling you you can't see him? Doesn't scripture say Jesus gave us eyes to see? We have eyes to see. So renounce the lie, break agreement that you can't see him and declare the truth that I've been given eyes and I'm a daughter and I can see him. Instantly, oh, there he is. What's he look like? He looks pretty nice. He's smiling. It really comes down to breaking agreements with things that seem true, but they're just not. And sometimes we've been given a view of Father God that just, it's just not true. Because he's kind. He's patient. He's not self-seeking. He will not envy. He'll never keep a record of wrongs. He just loves. It's all he knows to do. And when he looks at you, he's not looking to expose sin. He's not like, here's my light. Look, everyone, here's where they're failing in life. (laughs) That's not the Father. He actually protects us. It's like in Psalms, it says he wraps his wings around us, like a mother hen does her chicks. He's into protecting. And our earthly dads, it's where we find identity, protection, and provision. 
basic human needs that have to be met. Every human being has it. My daughter's in gymnastics, and she's doing high beam stuff. And whenever my wife and I are there, both, when she does something really cool, she'll lock eyes with me to see how I react. She doesn't look at Cecily. Why? She wants daddy's affirmation. Because only daddy can bring identity. Mommy brings other things that are just as important, but only daddy can bring identity. So she's looking. What do you think of that? But if we grew up not feeling safe with our dad, if we grew up not feeling provided for, if we weren't affirmed, we can start to have a view of God the Father that he's not really proud of us. I've got really good news. He's really proud. I hope all of you can encounter his love. There's a difference between intellectually understanding God loves me and quoting the scripture and having this mantra and singing songs on a screen and then translating that into, I just encountered the Father's love. Because they're very different. If I raised Aowen and I just said, I love you, I love you, I'm never going to touch you, I'm never going to embrace you, but I love you. When she encounters love and we're embracing and being all goofy and smooching, she's encountering love. And sometimes the father just says, why don't you just get up in my lap? Kids did that with Jesus. They're all in his lap, all in his business. And it was ministry time. It was serious. There was serious stuff to do. <laughs> Disciples are like, get out of here, children. We've got ministry to perform. <laughs> Jesus says, hey, uh, you guys got lots of issues because these are the ones who will inherit the kingdom of God. So why don't you shut your holes and <laughs> join in on the fun? I did just say shut your holes, if you're wondering. Okay? <laughs> Do you think the kids around Jesus, like, just stoically, mm, Jesus, you're so wonderful, we love your teachings. We worship you, Jesus. They're probably drooling on him, pulling on his hair, poking his eyes, screaming in his ear. That's what kids do. There's no appropriateness with kids. <laughs> and I love how Jesus defends them. Because sometimes he just wants us to climb up into his lap. And just say, Papa, like, I just want to rest. I'm going to close. I'm going to be very vulnerable with you, all right? I had a sozo. It was actually done by Eric Waterbury back there. He was down in San Diego, I don't know, a year and a half ago, something like that. He was staying with us at our house, and Cecily was like, hey, would you take me through a sozo? And so it was like 15 minutes, like, powerful, it's done. I'm like, Sweet. It's like, I should do one too. It's been a while. So Eric takes me through this, and he, his first question was, so if you could ask God any question, what would it be? I'm pretty good at thinking of questions. I could not think of one for like two minutes. It was like awkward silence. I'm like, give me a minute. I'll think of one. I'm like, what is wrong with me in my head? I'm like, what is wrong with me? So all of a sudden, this question comes out. Do you like what I'm doing? And as it rolls out, I'm like, that's a really weird question. <laughs> so he's like, why'd you ask that? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not really sure. So he's like, is there a safe place you could talk to Father God? And so I picture this place where I grew up in Michigan where there were hundreds of acres of woods all around us. And both my parents worked. My siblings are much older, so I was kind of solo a lot of times as a child. So I'm riding my bike by myself in the woods which I love to do for like hours and hours. 
So I'm in this picture, and he says, how can you talk to God if you're on your bike? That's a good question. I don't know. He's like, can you go to another place? I was like, okay. So I see a beach. I've never been to this beach. So I was hoping Eric wouldn't ask me if I've been to this beach before, but he does. <laughs> Have you been to that beach? It's like, you're breaking up. Because it started to hit me. Why haven't I been to this beach? Have I not talked with Father God? This is all hitting me. And so I start just weeping, like deep weeping, not just like a little tear comes out and just like within the bowels of weeping. (laughs) And all this flood of emotion is hitting me like, God, have I never just talked to you? And I'd been in ministry for years. I knew how to preach. I knew how to interact with leaders and say the right things. But it was all hitting me. And something came up because my parents, they love me. They're great. But something they'll ask a lot is, what are you doing this week? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? So I always list what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. Got this going, blah, blah, blah. I'm juggling this, blah, blah, And so I kind of translated that into God is really impressed when I'm busy, when I'm driven, when I'm producing things. The Father's like, Yes. But if I'm not in that mode, he's kind of like, come on, what are you doing? And God started to bring freedom inside of me because I had a view of Father God that just wasn't true. So I renounced that lie, declared the truth. And out of that encounter, I literally encountered the Father's love for the first time in my life. I could preach sermons on it <laughs> with amazing PowerPoint slides. And <laughs> but it was all theory, all intellectual, but there was no encounter. But when I had that encounter, everything changed. Everything changed. I couldn't remain the same. Because when Papa's love touches you, it drives out all fear. Because it's perfect. When we get in Papa, Papa's lap, there's no space for fear. There's no room. Just as a son and a daughter just says, oh, I'm protected, I'm provided for, and I am affirmed. That's Papa. Why don't you guys stand? We're going to roll into some stuff. You want to play? Is that cool? Is that all right? Yeah. Is that normal? You guys do that? All right. Do you want to do any actual songs or just background? Yeah, maybe play and then we'll dive into the stuff if you want to sing. That's cool too. Thanks, man. A little background music as we get into the ministry time. (laughs) It's okay to joke around going into the prayer time. Okay, just (laughs) relax. Just take a deep breath. It's going to be all right. Now, I really, uh, I want to start out, first of all, if you're here tonight just saying, hey, uh, that's the kind of father I want to know. Really great news for you, you can, and the way we know him is through Jesus. Jesus is the way to the father. He paved the way for us to have full access to the father, where we can boldly go to his throne. We don't have to grovel at the feet of the father. We have full access. And it just comes down to saying, Jesus, I want you in my life. Wipe my hard drive clean. Take out the spyware that's got into my hard drive. Give me a new one. And let's start fresh. And so if that's where you're at, no one has to close your eyes or bow your heads. But if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, you've never asked him into your life, this would be a cool night to start, I think. If that's you, just raise your hand wherever you're at. This isn't to embarrass you. This is good. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. That's sweet. Anyone else? Just want to give a moment for this. All right. Well, let's pray for this one. And uh, 
Just pray this as I pray. Just ask Jesus to clean you out, give you a new hard drive, take all the stuff out you couldn't take out yourself and have him put all in all the stuff you can't bring in yourself. So Jesus, I thank you for this one. I declare freedom, forgiveness. Jesus, you went to the cross to say, hey, I'd like to forgive you. And I'd like to love you. And I'd like to welcome you to a family that I really like, Jesus says. And I just declare Father's love over you. The perfect love of the Father. I pray, God, just a big bear hug. A big embrace. All fear would go and love would remain. And we thank you for that, Jesus. Anyone uh, struggle with anemia, iron deficiency in your blood, or some kind of blood disorder of any kind? All right. Sometimes I do this, and a person will come up at the end. That was me. I just didn't want to raise my hand. So it's okay to raise your hand if that's you. This isn't to embarrass you, but... Um, I, I want to ask, too, because whenever I share testimonies, I like to ask what, we, what the testimony was. Because when a testimony is shared, God wants to do it again. Anyone have thyroid issues? Two there. Okay. Keep your hand up real quick. We're just going to pray. You can stay right there. Um, if you're close by, just put a hand on their shoulder. An appropriate place. Put a hand. <laughs> We're just going to pray. Jesus, you love your daughters, but you don't like thyroid issues. And we just declare that your cross was enough. It was more than enough. And I declare total healing to their bodies right now in Jesus' name. Whatever the issue, whatever it's causing, your hand would just come down to that thyroid and say, Hello, I'd like to touch your thyroid. And I I pray they would feel a shift in their body right now. They'd feel your presence coming upon their body. Holy Spirit, we just love and honor you here tonight. We thank you for your work, for your power to heal. In Jesus' name. Now, I always ask when we're praying for people, if you're feeling something, like let us know. Like wave a hand if you're feeling something. Like heat. I know sometimes with thyroid especially, you don't really know until you get it checked out, but just let us know. Anyone have uh, herniated discs, like a back injury, some type of back injury? Right here? All right. Anyone else? Back injury? Cool. What's your name? Christina? Can I pray for you? You guys want to just extend a hand to Christina? You want to put a hand on her? Is that cool? You guys friends? Real good friends? So like, just friends? Okay. All right, I'm just kidding. Thank you, Jesus. Can I put my hand on your back? So it's your lower back. Thank you, Jesus. We just declare healing to this back right now. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We just declare your healing. We don't have to strive for healing, Jesus. You already accomplished it. So we just rest in your sacrifice because it was more than enough for your daughter. And I just speak to her spine and muscle and tendon and tissue to work the way you designed her back to work, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can you test it out? Can you move around? Super light. Yeah, everything Now, was there something you couldn't do before without pain? So if you bend over, there was no... Now, would, there norm, would you feel something when you bent over? Usually I feel tightness. And you don't? No, I feel light right now. 
feel good. All right, that's good. Thank you, Jesus. Light is good. <laughs> Torn ACL. Like an injury. Not so much that it's actually torn now. It's not really the sense I'm getting, but it's like just been an issue for you. There. Anyone else? Back there, okay. Yeah, keep your hands up. And then again, if a couple want to come around and pray, we're going to pray for those. La, 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 la. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Well, God, we just declare healing to these ACLs. Just be healed in Jesus' name. Speak to that, those knees that could have full mobility and bend and squat, pogo, I don't know, whatever they want to do. <laughs> Hopscotch, Jesus, if they want to do hopscotch without pain. And we just declare healing to these knees in Jesus' name. I want you to test your knees out. Do something. Squat. Move around. Let us know what's happening. Any difference? On a scale of Zero to hundred percent from where you started, where would you be? Hundred percent being totally healed. Fifty percent better. That's good. We're gonna pray again. What about you back there? Shoulder. Shoulders, knees, they're all connected. <laughs> How's it feeling? What was that? No change. We're going to pray again. Jesus prayed for a blind guy twice. He started to pray, and the guy says, hey, I see some stuff. And then he prayed again, and he's like, hey, I see a lot of stuff. So we're going to pray one more time. Cool. So you guys, again, just put your hand, knee, and shoulder. Well, Jesus, we thank you for the 50% with your son right here. That's great, Jesus. We just declare 100%. Complete the work, Jesus. Total wholeness to that knee. Total wholeness to that shoulder, Jesus. He could wrap it around, rotate it, lift it up. He could raise his arm in high praise of you, Jesus. Not just low or medium praise. High praise. <laughs> in Jesus' name, amen. Test it out. same or a little better a little better why don't you guys just keep praying with him God's definitely moving if it's continually getting better how you doing back there what was that it's okay any change any better feels better 50% keep praying for him Eric 50%. (laughs) Get your hand on that shoulder. This is what I'd like us to do, um, kind of close out our time. I really, since we were to do this, and if it still works, um, I want to kind of explain it in case you haven't been around this really briefly. We're going to basically do a tunnel, a a small tunnel, I think, or a medium tunnel. And... uh, just basically what we're going to do is you're going to walk through if you want to. If you don't want to, that's cool. Like no pressure, no weirdness. Like why aren't they walking in a tunnel back then? Like if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it, man. Um, but we'll have you line up on this side if you want to do it. And we'll have two rows of people that are just going to lay hands at you as you walk through. And what we're doing, we're just blessing you. Um, Paul talks about in Romans 1, I wish I could be there to impart some gift to you. Um, There is a power to laying on hands where God imparts stuff. I believe some of you are actually going to be healed as you walk through here. And 
The other thing we're praying for is, God, encounter your sons and daughters with your love, that they'd have love encounters. So this is a, a love tunnel, okay? This is a father's love tunnel. And uh, so if, Eric, I don't know if you want to get people up here that you want. So give us one moment. Uh, Epic Life Leaders, you guys know who you are. If you guys can come up front and we have a few missing. Jared and Charity, if you guys are here. Awesome. Cool. Here we can <laughs> All right, so if you want to be a part of this, just line up here. Like start, sorry, man. Start right here. Just make a line around. And when you walk through, just keep walking. Don't, you don't have to stop. Just keep walking slowly, and everyone will just lay a hand on you. And uh, if you want to lead us, man, into a song, that'd be awesome. So, Jesus, we just invite you to come, heal bodies, Father, encounter with your love, and we just receive all that you have, Jesus. Amen.